Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Nada. To my Frank, it's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I, uh, in honor of last week's game, I plan to botch the first half of this podcast. I'll need to finish really strong. Just put on the glasses, Kevin, and our very own Gilbert. That's right. It's Eric Ronenbeck. Eric, how are you doing? <laughs> ready to talk about the Seahawks win. Yeah, oh, I here we go. ready to uh, kick butt and chew bubble gum. Yeah, he's that was he's, a, he's all out of he's all out of gum. Um, all right, quote of the gum. week. See, we got started off with this Seahawks quote of the week. You ready? Quandre Diggs was asked if Sidney Jones <laughs> blew the coverage on Debo Samuel's long TD. His response: You must think I'm a snitch. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite, dude. That was so perfect. Diggs is the best. Yeah, I, I mean. I, 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 uh, Condre, you know, he, he wouldn't go out there and talk to the media last week, which is, you know, Condre, come on, step up to the plate. Don't make Trey Flowers go out there and do your dirty work, uh, when the, when the things are going bad. But man, he was, he was so funny right there and he was so good in this game. Uh, Quandre, <laughs> oh, yeah. Quandre digs a pass breakup and interception targeted four times, only gave up one reception for seven yards. He had six tackles, just an, just an excellent game from Quandre. Pass uh, Eric, this this secondary looked a little bit. Uh, I don't want to say rejuvenated, but it looked a little juvenated. What do you uh, What do you attribute <laughs> most of that to? Is it was it all Quandre, or was was it something else too? Uh, I'm going to give the credit to the players on the field coming together, gelling a little more. Let's remember with Jamal Adams last year, it was kind of hard for him to to gel as they weren't using him as they're using him now. Uh, the linebacker team is a little different. Uh, the defensive line is always shifting. As frustrated as we are with this defense, they know how crummy they were. Uh, I'm sure there were some come to Jesus talks in in the last week where they had to kind of get together and be like, yo, I don't want to lose to the 49ers. They're not that good. Um, and Ken Norton was maybe there. Maybe he wasn't invited. Uh, but I'm just giving it to the the veterans on this team, the, the captains without the C on their uniform. Quandre probably being one. Jamal Adams is there. Uh, Bobby, you know, getting the people together to be like, yo. We're better than this. If we're a mediocre defense, we're going to win a lot of games. And so, so let's just be better. <clears throat> Sorry. Kevin, instead, and to, for you, we, instead of seeing uh, three linebackers on the field, we saw zero Cody Barton in this game. And instead, we got a healthy dose of the big nickel. 26 snaps of Ryan Neal, Quandre Diggs, and uh, 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 Jamal, Jamal Adams playing Jamal at Adams. the – I can't talk. Forget. Easy to forget the $70 million man. Yeah, Jamal Adams, Ryan Neal, and Quandre Diggs all playing on the field at the same time. Um, for well, Just to start, what do you think about the big nickel formation and then, of course, the big dime when uh, Jordan Brooks comes off the field for Marquise Blair? Uh, what do you think about the, uh, the the kind of big formations that they're using to try to get more of these talented safeties uh, onto the field? I mean, if I could summarize it with a GIF, it would be the last one in the Vince McMahon GIF where it's progressively getting more excited about something (laughs) like, you know, definitely falling backwards out of the chair, sweating profusely. Uh, If there's one thing I like, it's the big nickel. But if there's two things I like, it's the big nickel and the big dime. Uh, (laughs) Ryan Neal came out and his ability to cover a linebacker or excuse me, to cover a tight end and to play kind of that linebacker, like weak side linebacker uh, in coverage role really freed up uh, Jamal Adams to be kind of more dynamic as a box safety, which was important against the run game because with the run scheme that San Francisco likes to do with the, um, with the zone run scheme that they do uh, the way to counter that is you get kind of upfield penetration, which means that our defensive line was constantly trying to push into the backfield. And so by having, 
Neal with some of that coverage responsibility to free up Adams to address the run and also kind of by proxy then free up Wagner a little bit more. It made it so we were able to be more effective against the run too. I just think, I don't think it's necessarily the answer to every situation, but it was cool to see it in the bag of tricks for this game and to know that it's there when we run against teams that like to feature a tight end and that like to really... Like if you're playing in 12 personnel or, you know, if, if we have these two tight end sets that the Rams like to play, I could see it being busted out there, too. And now that's been put on tape. And that's something that uh, Los Angeles has to look at and has to consider because Ryan Neal was kind of low key shut down. Like he had three run stops. He uh, allowed a couple of completions, but he also got his hand on a couple of passes um, like he forced. Uh, Garoppolo to be accurate and the other piece I don't know if y'all noticed we're playing a lot more man we were not playing as much as off zone coverage and while Sidney Jones didn't have a great game Reed and Diggs had excellent games in coverage their best games of the season in coverage I mean I do think like if you allow a 76 yard pass it's going to make your stat line look bad no matter no matter what else you did and i do think that was sydney jones's fault yes so so let's just let's just go ahead and get that out of the way i mean i will say the ross dwelly touchdown though i think was actually jordan brooks's fault yeah that was a communication error there was definitely some still some some problems with communication guys getting expected to be passed off that aren't but here's what i like about this okay and then and here's the thing i'm not trying to blow smoke up the defenses but there's a lot of work to do kyle shanahan threw a young quarterback who probably needed more seasoning than all the other quarterbacks in this first round draft class. And he threw him to the wolves in the second half of a divisional game. Um, just completely cold blooded. If Jimmy G's leg was not falling off, he should have left him in like that was uh, inexcusable to that being said. I don't think Jimmy G would have won him the game. Like, so no, I don't, I don't both parts. I don't think that either, but I'm just saying like he set Trey Lance up to fail. And I think that, that, that this is kind of the perfect, situation for the defense though because they won the game they get to think about what they did well and also have plenty of things in the film room that they know that they can improve on right and and that's kind of the ideal situation you want a defense that needs to improve in season like this one you kind of want them to win games but then also not play so good that there's you know what i mean there's that they think that they're good they should after when they watch the tape of this game they should not think they're great they should stay hungry they should think we're making steps in the right direction. Maybe Quandre can think he played great because he did. But basically everyone else had something that they could point to where it's like, yeah, I need to do a little bit better. I need to to work on that. That being said, 19 pressures. Got to love that. Got to love getting – we only got two sacks, but getting to the quarterback, 19 pressures, and we weren't blitzing a whole bunch. You know, not oh, That Brooks blitz sack, though, that was beautiful. That was. Just came up the middle untouched and lit up, Jimmy. Non-defensive line blitzes. Uh, there's three from Brooks, two from Amadi, two from Adams, one Quandre, one Bobby. That's that's just not a lot of blitzing. And the gold standard, what you need to do if you want to be successful in the modern NFL, is you want to um, selective pressure, right? You want to be able to send pressure sometimes, but most of the time you want to be getting some pressure with four dudes. Um, and and you, see, you see teams real successful with the, the selective pressure, like – Kansas city does it right. They dial up the big blitzes in the big, in the, in the pressure situations, or when teams need a lot of yards, they dial up the big blitz, but you don't want to, that that's a lever you want to flip. Not one you need to just keep on all the time. And last year, maybe it seemed like a little bit too much, uh, bringing the blitz, right? A little bit too much, uh, relying on it. Yeah. Especially Bobby and Jamal. 
Big, big mix of defensive linemen in this game. We had 15 snaps from Monet, 35 from Woods, 21 from Kim, Bobby Kimdiche. Uh, Hyder got Hyder, Green. All these guys are playing. Did any of the defensive linemen stand out for you, Eric? You thought like they looked real good. Well, I mean, uh, throughout the the preseason, we were looking at like who's going to make this team. We kind of figured out who would do it. Um, the guys that we we kind of counted on, uh, Al Woods. Al Woods has been just a guy who's been like the secret special sauce all year. Mm-hmm. And that's a guy that we thought might be in this team. I'm, I've been impressed with him in this game. I liked him. Of course we got a, uh, we got a sack for Taylor. Um, Rasheem green has kind of that, fallen off the that, map a little bit. Boy, that Taylor, <laughs> that Taylor sack was a thing of beauty. Wasn't it? It just, oh, man. I wanted to bring it up because like, I felt like the defensive line just played well as a whole. It, I didn't need a star. We didn't have, we only had two sacks on the game. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like a, a pressure fest uh, where, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was, was constantly running, but he was always having to adjust quickly, which is what matters. And uh, Daryl Taylor is a guy that this is his rookie year, more or less. And I'm not expecting huge things from him, but I want to see signs of what I'm going to see next year and the years to come. And I think we're seeing that with him. Well, I think Taylor's showing that he's a type of athlete we haven't had at edge in a few years. Yes. Like the last man we had who could bend the edge like that, well, that man built houses. <laughs> Cliff Averill himself. Yeah, and then, of course, just the linebacker work in this game was uh, certainly better than last week, and it was just good to see. Daryl Taylor's at three sacks through four games. He's got eight total pressures. Uh, does Darrell, Darryl, sorry, Daryl Taylor get to 10-plus sacks this year? Yes or no? Kevin? No, but it's going to be between eight and ten. He's got he's got thirteen more games to get there, Eric. Yeah, the, oh oh, thir- that's right. There's an extra game. Yeah, I'm going to give it to him. He gets like ten and a half. You said he has three sacks. I yeah. I thought he had two sacks. Three sacks. Three. I'm not four. looking at wait, stats. Wait 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 wait. I'm looking at PFF, which gives a full sack for everything. Let me let me check on uh, on like NFL and see if they because. Yes, that is true. I did not think of that. They they don't do half sacks on. Uh, on well, let's PFF. just consider nope. it through PFF sacks anyway. No, uh, the NFL says he has three sacks as well. So he has three wow. sacks through four okay. games. Three sacks? Yeah, give it to him. Give this man ten, his money. Ten sacks, I think, is a would be man. It would. This is the new Frank Clark if he gets ten sacks, right? Like this is a a guy we picked not in the first round who is going to give first round value to this team. Yep. Um, man, we could have used him last year. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, like then that injury that injury in retrospect that injury sucks because it if he plays like even half of this good in last year you know and gets us like seven and a half sacks on limited snap counts like he's playing now because he's not even playing a full retinue of snaps you know he's not even out there uh like that much he played 33 snaps in this game he rushed the passer 23 times like he's not out there we played 76 defensive snaps. He's not out there that much, and he's still having a huge impact when he is out there. That's probably why. we're. Our, I was going to say our rotation this year seems to be pretty good with the exception of, you know, uh, like Robinson not seeing a lot a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. So well, kind of speaking of. Uh, speaking of, Robinson yes. got 44 snacks, snaps this week and was, that was too uh, many. dropped into. No, the problem was not. It was not his fault. You Why are you dropping him into coverage nine times? He had more coverage snaps than Marquise Blair. He he had more like they dropped him into coverage nine times and Dunlap into coverage six times. Stop. Nice. P, get some help. 
I, I understand these stupid zone blitzes that they do where they drop. Then Alton Robinson ends up covering like, you know, he's out there covering Brandon Ayuk. And it's like if if uh, Trey Lance could find this guy, we'd be screwed. <laughs> where, you know, the, the thing, though, is I, the other part of it was Alton Robinson, I think, had a few too many snaps in the game because I noticed it in run defense. There were a number of times where it looked like he just kind of got lost in the wash. And uh, when he's fresh out there, I think he's really disruptive. Um, I do think when he's out there for kind of too many drives in a row, I just don't know if he has the legs for it. He, he's uh, he's gassed like Chris Carson. When yeah, did, uh, when you did gotta, Dunlap leave the You got to understand, like, their tackles are really good, too. Trent Williams is, like, the best left tackle in football. Well, he doesn't have a sour tum-tum. And, and Mike, McGlin- Mike McGlinchey <laughs> is, is good. Is is pretty pretty solid. Yeah, so, you know, for an older guy, uh, McGlinchey's really good. Older isn't he like twenty seven? It's, a, it's a running gag. He's looked like That's he's the... forty since he came into the league. Oh yeah, he he does look like a mountain man. He looks he looks like an old man. So but, uh, the 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 gag during um, draft season was that like he was, you know, he he clearly gone on his mission. Um, you know, he's coming back for a second career in the NFL. Yeah, I think that's part of why we didn't get a ton of sacks in this game, but we did create pressures just because it's easier to get pressures against the 49ers through the middle than it is to get it on the outside because their tackles are le- legitimately talented. Uh, all right, any other defensive news and notes you want to get to before we get over to the Well, I was the just going to say, Carlos Dunlap certainly had the pressures going. He has uh, His foot's going to be amputated per, per Pete because um, he has turf toe, which you know I can never trust Pete. But it's, a I death, was, it's a death sentence. It is a death sentence. He's got a foot thing. It's going to be hard Which to I play Thursday. Leprosy. It's going to be hard to play Thursday. Is yes. Pete Carroll scratching him, basically. He's, he's not playing. It, it sounds like it. But I was wondering if um, that kind of fed into the the whole Robinson being out in coverage a little more because it seemed a little weird, and I, I'm glad you guys brought that up because it was uh, – there's still some maddening things from the, Pete. He's 70. Yeah. He's not changing. I mean, we dropped defensive linemen into coverage on 18 different snaps. That's like a quarter of the game. That we are dropping That's defensive like 14 linemen. too many snaps. <laughs> That's a quarter of the game where either. we dropped a defensive end into coverage. And I know they're like, oh, Daryl Taylor, he's like a linebacker, but he's not. So stop. Yeah, he is. Hey. No. He no. can actually drop into like he can drop into line into coverage like Bruce Irvin can drop into coverage. Like okay. it's not great, but you can do it like functionally. Sure. And dropping he, did it three, he just floats out there on the wings is unexcusable. And he did it three times, the least of those three guys. Yes, that that's the thing that is absolutely aggravating about this. Is You're sitting there like, oh, yeah, we dropped Robinson, Taylor, and Dunlap into coverage. And you're like, well, I mean, I guess Taylor at least. Yeah, they, we did him three times, and the other guy's 14 or they never uh, got tar- 15. You're ne- like, that's horrible. They never got targeted. It must have been working. <laughs> <laughs> you like it? Okay, all right. Up, let's, uh, let's go to the offense. Uh, Russell, Russell Carrington-Wilson. Okay, got to start there. Got to start with the with the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, Russell Wilson threw t- uh, eight passes behind the line of scrimmage in this game. Uh, he threw two, two, three to the short middle. Uh, only only went for one deep ball. I thought he played a very efficient, uh, boring game of football that he needed to play in the first half. It was rough. I'm not yes. gonna lie, but but I think that would hard to watch be a better better term. Yeah. When when you get in these situations, though, you you gotta you hope that the team does what they need to do to win, and we've talked about it a lot. The thing that this team needs to do is they need to have a time. They need to be able to have a drive that chews up the clock, right? And we saw them do it. A couple, we do it a little in this game, and that 
that's really what we need to see from this team, right? Like the the missing piece, because we beat the Titans if we just chew up, chew up some clock, right? If we just chew up some clock. So in the in the um, second half, we had a five minute drive, which is like really long <laughs> for the Seahawks this that's year. Huge. That's like that's like a, a million years. It's ten plays, 80, 81 yards, and it ended in a touchdown. Those are the kind of drives we need to see some five minute drives out of the Seahawks. Uh, <clears throat> that's what I'm looking for from Russ. They they did what they had to do to win, and I I want to see more more of that. And yeah, it's not as fun as like Russ cooks for for big bombs and we score forty points. But I want to. This team. I want them to win football games less than I want them to uh, to do to to do fun football. I I root for a team that that for many years played fun football but wasn't actually good. I'm a. I went to what alma mater, Washington State Cougars, and yeah, sure, it was fun to watch that stupid air raid offense and and do it. But guess what? You lose a lot, and it sucks. And I don't like. I don't like losing every big game that I play in, and I don't want the Seahawks to be like that. So it was good to see them chew the clock a little bit in the second half, have a long five-minute drive, kind of start to put the game away. Because once that once we scored that touchdown, 28-13, it felt like San Francisco was really going to have a hard time uh, coming back to win. So That's when I got <clears> confident. Appreciate, I appreciate Russ for, for do, doing what he had to do to win, not not just saying he needed – what was it he say before? He can't, he can't be uh, – he has to be iconic or something. I don't remember what it was. It's very, 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 <laughs> <So> fr- <laughs> very frustrating. He got a he got a a new program update to his software, and so he he had a new little thing to say. That's that's Russ. All right, so I'm gonna kick it to you, Kevin, for receivers. Uh, the D DK Swain Lockett D, uh, Will Big Will Disley. What'd you What'd you see from the receivers this week? Um, I think something that was interesting in watching the game. Uh, first of all, Lockett was clearly not 100% in this game. Uh, yes. It was a lot more like being a very safe outlet target, getting open on some short routes just to kind of keep the offense going. He wasn't really threatening downfield. Being available. Yeah. Um, the other piece of it, though, is I feel like Russ came out like super amped for the game, and he was rushing and overthrowing in the first and second quarter a lot. And he settled in, but I just don't think he really had his best ball the entire game. I think he was. I think the pressure got to him a little bit because, like, DK had a good game, right? Out of all the receivers, you probably would argue DK had the best game. He had four catches on eight targets for sixty-five yards and a touchdown. Um, he's the only person who had an average depth of target over ten yards, and he had some good yards after the catch. But he should have had a bomb down the sideline where Russ's throw Russ underthrew it um, down the sideline and let Mosley back in, who was able to get a hand on the ball and break it up. That should have been a deep throw catch and run DK gone or somebody grabbing at his ankles. Kevin, I thought that play was very un Russ and un DK. Yeah. And um, yeah, DK probably should come down with that one too. Um, I don't feel like it was quite as bad as the Minnesota game where I feel like, there were a number of plays where DK should have caught the ball in this one. I just feel like Russ was a little off, but then you have that play. And on the flip side, Swain has quietly become a like weird, the play breaks down and suddenly he's open guy. Um, Because that was after the uh, like weird muffed kick, pick up, dive forward, fumble Seahawks recovery play. 
um, the Seahawks, uh, that was that was the drive. The following drive was the one where Russ pulled his twirly Russ magic and ran out to the sideline and hucked the ball deep. And that was swaying on the receiving end. You might have thought for a minute it was Tyler Lockett because it looked like the kind of catch we've come accustomed to Tyler Lockett making where kind of the defense isn't really sure what's going on. And all of a sudden he comes up open in the end zone. That was Freddie Swain, which is the second time we've kind of seen that like everything broke down. Russ looks up. Hey, why is Swain so open? Better throw it to him. So I think Swain, that means he's establishing some rapport with Russ. He's kind of understanding um, how to be a part of the offense, even when the offense isn't doing what it's scripted to do, which is a really, really key skill when you are Russell Wilson's wide receiver. Um, As the season goes along, Swain is our receiver three isn't such a bad thing. And it probably allows us to ease D Eskridge back in a little bit more and use him more as kind of a gadget playmaker guy. So I'm pretty happy to see what's going on with Swain. Uh, Titans weren't really used. We kind of needed them to help chip. And also we were down Everett. Um, plus they tried to murder Disley. And so I'm kind of glad that they didn't let him get killed. And per, uh, Collins catch and run was pretty good. Per okay, capita speaking though, of, speaking hold on, of, with, oh. with per capita, like with Russ spreading <clears throat> the ball around, DK only ha- having four receptions, uh, two receptions for Disley. I feel like per capita, we use the tight ends enough in the game for having to to keep him back. It gave me a little more hope uh, from what we saw last week, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, it sounds funny, but I'm actually thinking like with, we probably used the tight ends perfectly correct this week. The tight end, the tight end this week. Oh, Colby Parkinson actually showed up on the field though. That was pretty cool. Uh, Eric, now that I don't have my transition, I'm going to pretend like I still have it though. Speaking of Alex Collins, uh, (laughs) the, uh, (laughs) the, the running backs this week was a a more even split than I think a lot of people intended Uh, 12 rushing snap uh, plays with for out went to Alex Collins, 13 rushing plays uh, went to Chris Carson. Collins be also beat. He ended up beating Carson Collins beat Carson in targets. Collins went 10 for 4.4 yards per attempt, averaging 2.9 yards after contact per attempt. Carson went 13 for 30, averaging only 2.31 per attempt and also uh, missed a block. So what, Er Eric, what do you think? Is there there a legitimate uh, like timeshare brewing here? Is Collins carved out 50% of this offense for himself or is this kind of a one-week blip? What do you think? Lord, I hope so. So this, before the season started, uh, hot takes, big projections, big predictions for the for the season. I was like, Chris Carson's going to uh, become this this bell cow and he's going to be great again. And that is not happening yet. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not ready to switch off that. But if you look at every team in the NFL, every single team has two running backs that they use in tandem constantly. Why aren't we? Well, this is why we should. It can only help Chris Carson to give Alex Collins the ball more. One, it's going to make Chris a little mad. Two, it's going to take some pressure off it. Alex Collins has had uh, two weeks of, he's had, I guess, three weeks of good plays. He just wasn't used very much in week two. Uh, This week was the week that he got to say, hey, this is is the hot hand. Ride Alex Collins' hot hand. For this reason, I feel like Carson should start. Alex Collins should be that guy that we use on the, on the, uh, I guess the backside on the, on the softer plays. He can do more right now. Uh, I don't know what's up with Chris Carson. I, I don't know if it's getting over the injury. Um, if he's just not finding the hole, 
either way, this is how it should be. And as you can see, it worked for us here and it works for every other team in the league. Yeah. And I think, like I said before the season, I think I said it a million times. People act like Alan Collins is some grizzled old vet. And yes, he has been in the NFL for five years, but he is 27 years old. He has a lot of juice left. It's not unreasonable to think that he can't really play. Like he can, he no. can really play. This is not Carlos Hyde coming in, and he's and the guy picking up the being, first downs. It's not just know, like man. he was a good college player, and he was like a what a third round pick. Like uh, we, he's got a decent pedigree. We drafted Collins in the fifth round, pick one seventy one. Same Still, same round as Richard picks, Sherman. You know, just fun. You know, better than Carson. I mean, Carson we picked to pick two forty nine. Like I love Chris Carson. I think that. When we need one yard and we need a guy to break a few tackles and turn a turn a zero yard rush into a three yard rush, he'll always be there, right? Like that is what Chris Carson will be there for. But they wanted obviously wanted to find someone that they could pair him up with. They picked a first round pick on on Rashad Penny, and it wasn't because they thought, oh, Chris Carson's great as an every down back. They want to find someone who can spell him, who can do a little work uh, with him, and they've also spent a pretty high draft pick on DJ Dallas, so. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that Alex Collins is working out and kind of take carving out a role as someone who can complement Chris Carson. He is really good at catching the ball. He does a great job in the blocking. Uh, I do think we will see a lot of Alex Collins on third downs from this point forward. He's really proven that he deserves at least that and maybe even a little bit more. Yeah, he and, had uh, a good blitz pickup on that crosser play to DK for the first down on play action. Like that was he had a he had like a notable blitz pickup there that um kind of allowed that longer developing crossing play to work. All right, now Kevin, I know you love talking O line. I know you're 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 ready. You're ready to get in there, the nitty gritty. Um, so I'm gonna make you I'm gonna make you do it. Cedric Agbui, not not that bad. <laughs> you gotta you know, admit it. You gotta admit you it. Know, he's pretty solid. It's a big man to admit when he's only partially correct. And um, Kevin is that big man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so one real quick thing for the run game, though, that I think needs to be given some love. Can oh. we talk about Russell Wilson? Because can, can he just keep one, one, one designed run play like one? Because man, no one bites on him anymore. He could get he's fast enough to get seven or eight yards on on those. It's driving me crazy. Oh, but so, man, when they went man and completely disrespected his legs, and he just took off for the touchdown run. Oh, that's, that's so good to make the more. defense have to worry about that. That's exactly it, though. He, they disrespect him on those design run plays, and he just doesn't even care. He's just like, well, get, he's like, Chris will pick up four, so I'll just let him get it. You know what I mean? It's like, and it's like, it's true. Chris Carson will pick up four on that inside handoff, but man, if he, he, they just disrespect him so much, and it drives me crazy. <laughs> like, he, they just aren't respecting that he's going to keep those, uh, those, those read option plays. All right. So, so speaking of disrespect, uh, Cedric Oboy. Um, was playing right tackle, and I made pro, the comment pro transition, pro that transition. Kerhan, <laughs> I would have felt more comfortable without there. Well, then they played him, and I was wrong. Uh, Big said is not a guy who I trust all the time, but part of the problem with him is when he loses, it looks terrible. Yeah, he, he got beat by really D Ford on the kill. worst sack. He got killed on one play this game. Yeah, he very was notably roadkill. <laughs> yeah. He got destroyed. And, and I outside think of that, though, it was perfectly respectable blocking the rest of the game from him. And I would even go so far as to say he was a pretty legit run blocker. Um, a lot of the plays going off the right side, he was doing some good work there. The thing uh, about C- Cedric is that like he's always had the the size 
and uh, to 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 kind of be a, a good offensive lineman. You know, he's he's always had the 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 intangibles, right? But his, his foot speed has always been a little questionable, and he also uh, is you know he, like mentally never put it together, kind of a Fetty style or whatever. But he doesn't do penalties. He's not a penalties guy like a Fetty. That's the other thing I was going to say was <laughs> not getting called for any penalties really makes a difference. Like and, it's he was the guy that we thought was Brandon Shell's floor. When we're like, oh, he's like, if a Fetty oh, didn't get a bunch of penalties. Well, if, no, that turns out that's what Cedric is. I really like having Cedric Ubuie around as a swing tackle. Is when I, where I kind of wanted up here is that this guy playing kind of the backup tackle role. And we have a guy, Dwayne Brown, who's pretty old. And we have a guy, Brandon Shell, who does pick up injuries, it seems like, every year. I think Cedric and we have is tum-tum a tum-tum to Marco Jones, who yeah, has, yeah, has, yeah. He has a sick tum-tum. He has, and he's always big in the games. His tummy hurts, okay? So, so But Cedric, <laughs> Cedric Ubuie is is a good just a good solid football player you know and yeah at the end of his cincinnati tenure he was playing pretty bad but that also that Bengals team was a dumpster fire and they got the also we're not relying on him to be an everyday starting right tackle he's like break class break glass in case of injury yeah like that's fine he's perfectly i think he's i'm i like i like cedric i'm a big fan and i think the rest offensive line played fine nothing nothing like outstanding not like their bet their you know their best day they did allow two sacks and we had seven pressures and actually Dwayne Brown, a lot of sack, which is like the craziest thing. I, I think everyone in the discord said something too. as everyone yes. was like, I cannot believe Dwayne Brown just gave a sack. Cause this was early in the game. We gave up a lot of our pressures in the first half and early in the game. Someone was like, even Dwayne Brown gave up a sack. Is everything ruined? And I was like, dang, is everything ruined? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, are we, are we in that situation now? Dwayne Brown is giving though? up sacks. Uh, who didn't give up a sack? Yeah. Nick Ballore. Gabe Jackson, not washed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gabe for, Jackson. For, so, sorry, sorry, Raiders fans. Turns out you just have the worst offensive line coach in the NFL. Yeah, As if they Gabe, didn't know. That Gabe Jackson pickup has been pretty solid. He looks pretty, pretty good. Uh, this is a tough defensive line to play against, and I thought the Seahawks played held up real well in the in the blocking game. Respectable overall, effort. Overall, a pretty good offensive performance. Anything you guys want to get to before we start talking about the Rams? Not me. Uh, no, I think I think anything else can be addressed during the Rams review. All right. Well, you know what? Sometimes, like before, a real str- this Thursday night football is coming up fast. You know, and it's it stresses me out. You know, mm-hmm. makes me think. I like to relax on the couch with a little Netflix. Eric, what do you like to watch on Netflix? Oh man, I like to surf Netflix for about an hour and then watch a TV show that I've been watching for <laughs> weeks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Kevin, what do you what do you when you hit the streaming services? What do you what do you pick up? Oh, you know, I'm always on the lookout for movies because I can never actually stick with it for a TV show. I get like three episodes in and dump it. You know what I like to do? I like to uh, maybe uh, find a, a legal a thing to to do. Uh, it's it's legal now, and uh, and then I like to watch a nature show. You know, get get one of nature shows. You know, and you know where you can watch a little nature show esque content. Well, that's with our boy Blake at Washington Fish Quest. This week he posted a video. He dropped a camera into the Dana Passage north of Olympia, and he did like a time lapse of of the of what was going on gone down there. And man, I just find those nature videos so relaxing. I saw that. So you, that's a yeah, beautiful pretty, area. That's pretty, pretty rad. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And water, it had like a real green tint to it too, which I thought like, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of dug it, but I don't know if that was the water or the camera. I couldn't decide, but I think it's the algae, algae. algae, There's there's some algae in there. Yeah. Anyway, either way, either way, man, there's like a nice starfish moving in the beginning, kind of walking around. I don't know. It's pretty rad. So anyway, uh, you want to check that out, head over Washington fish quest. Uh, link is in the description. All right. It's time to talk Rams football. The Rams have had our number. 
in recent years. The Rams come into this game with the number two offensive DVOA, the number 20 defensive DVOA, and the number 28th special teams DVOA. This is an offensive juggernaut that is being carried right now by McVay, Stafford, Woods, Cup, Henderson. Like This is an offensive juggernaut. They have weaknesses on the defensive side of the football, and their special teams is bad. So, Kevin, we'll start with you. What do you? How do you think the Seahawks are going to try to attack the Rams this week? You know, it's kind of hard to say. I know how I would like to attack them if I were the Seahawks, but I'm not sure it's how the Seahawks would do it. So the big thing to me is I think that you have to make sure that you are really um, trying to shut down the wide receivers. The offenses run through Cup and Woods, especially Cup, to start the season big time. And I think if you can kind of force the passing game to go more through the running backs and tight ends, um, it'll be easier to keep the big play as well as to limit what they're able to do. Like Stafford likes to take his shots. And when you have a ball hawk like Quandre Diggs back there, there could be some opportunities. Like we've seen it before with some of these quarterbacks where, uh, you know, those those are the games where Quandre might show up and get a couple of picks. So I think I would really focus on um, on defense, on trying to mitigate their top two wide receivers on offense it's it's really difficult though can i bring this up really quick because they line these receivers up in a lot of different spots like cup has played 102 in the slot but also deshaun jackson's played 15 van jefferson's played 33 tyler higby's been in the slot for 27 snaps robert woods has been in the snap for or the slot for 68 like they put these guys all over the field to try to create mismatches and i think that's why they went after stafford so hard is because he can play that point guard a ball distribution style of offense that McVay in his like idealized version of football wants to play, right? He wants to move these chess pieces around, find the weakness and then attack the weakness. Right. And the thing I'm scared of the most is that, like you said, Kevin, their offense runs through these really talented skill position players cup, uh, Deshaun Jackson still got juice, man. I don't care. And like Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby, Robert Woods, like these guys are really skilled players. And there are definitely guys on our defense that I don't want to be covering them, and they, get picked they on, yeah, and they will and they will make sure that they fig, find that you know they will find that weakness and they'll come right after it. Sidney Jones got targeted nine times last week by Shanahan, and McVeigh is going to go even farther in that direction, and it is a little bit terrifying. It is and it isn't because I feel like Jones is going to get better with time, or get replaced by Brown. Like, those are kind of the two things that are going to happen here. I, I think that officially, like, when they moved off Flowers, it was because he was holding down the spot until somebody learned the defense enough. I don't even think it's Trey Brown. He's learning defense. Remember, Trey Brown has a, according to Pete, a, uh, what would you say, a legit injury, which yes. is basically like the Pete Carroll version of he's dead. Yes. Uh, he's that's playing why through something big. Yeah. Jones had to learn the defense. Um, Brown had to like, just get his body right, which I still feel like is probably going to be after the buy. Um, unfortunately that's just kind of the way these things tend to go though. It's Ivan. So it might be a career ender, even if it's just a hanger. Oh yeah. I was going to say it might be a Daryl Taylor 2.0 where we have to wait a whole season. And the next year we're like, Oh, this guy was so good. We would have made the super bowl if we had him. By the way, can I take a little bit of credit because I was in Daryl Taylor's corner so hard and I feel very vindicated for that. Uh, But anyway, 
Um, I'm in the I'm in the Trey Brown hive, so I mean I'm going to do the same thing if Trey Brown comes and plays good. I'm going to be this, just tooting my own horn because oh, I am yeah. the I'm the, the the queen bee of the Trey Trey Brown. <laughs> yeah, man, that was that was a great one when uh, uh, I think uh, both of us were like, well, we didn't really scout him because he's tiny, and I was like, I mean, I watched him play, and he always had really tough matchups. Uh, and I was like, so you've good. seen him. He was playing against all the wide receivers you've been scouting for the oh, last three years. And you're like, oh, watched, yeah. I watched a lot of Trey Brown and just didn't even know it. He's like he's like he's like the guy who had good snaps against a lot of the good wide receivers. Like That's he's super solid. But I yeah, get well soon because he would be so helpful in this game. Oh, my he gosh. Would be, which is why I think just we might match just, up better against them in the second one, because in this game, we're going to have to outscore him. That's just, just a fact. The, him just beating the brakes off of Cooper Cup, man. He's just out going to out tough that guy. I love it. So I think that's the big thing is their pass rush is predicated on Aaron Donald. So we need to make sure that Aaron Donald's not getting to us and we need to get Russ with the ball out of his hands because their coverage unit is not anywhere near as good as it was. Um, They lost a defensive coordinator. They lost Troy Hill. They lost uh, one of their safeties. They lost a lot of really important players on the back end of this defense, and they didn't improve their coverage at linebacker. So I think um, if Everett's back and healthy, he could play a really big role, but it's going to be about Russ kind of getting the ball out. He's been closer to 2.7 seconds if he can stay there or even a little quicker and get the ball out to um, and, and not have it be on like those wide receiver screens that don't really work very well. Like, but get the ball out to somebody who's, you know, a couple yards downfield so they can turn around. So let's talk about Rams defense, Eric. Eric, the Rams defense, uh, it comes into the season. Last season, they were extremely good. They were considered, they were, I think, they're the number one scoring defense in the league, right? They were close to it. They, they were considered to be one of the yeah. strongest defenses in the league. So far this year, it's, it's been a little bit of a bumpy ride. Uh, what do you what do you think's going on in uh, in Ramsland on the defensive side of the football? I mean, they've invested so much in this team with um, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, right? So they have a these two guys, things, right? A lot of things on offense, and that's the thing they've invested so much on those two players, and then a lot of pieces on offense. Um, I think it's it's pretty easy to say what's what's wrong with our defense. We need consistency. We need some cornerbacks. Probably need a new defensive coach. The Rams need a lot. They've got two monster pieces. It's kind of like how, you know, how people build their fantasy teams. Like, oh, I'm just going to get these two great players and then get a bunch of guys on waivers. Um, I want a bunch of guys who are going to be consistent. And usually consistent. Stars and, stars and studs. Yeah. Stars and studs stars versus and, consistency. Yes. And it's... Yeah, so uh, I- they are very reliant on Aaron Donald to to kind of generate pass rush. Like they Leonard Floyd's okay, but they do not have it, really anyone else past that that I, I think no, is a reliable pass rusher. And that's and we we can whine about our our defensive rotations and people getting played too much, but they are if you look at their rotations, they are playing guys way too much. Like uh Terrell Lewis is getting played too much. Uh the guy's name I'm gonna butcher uh, is playing too much. Yeah, like um, I don't think that anyone wants to do 109 snaps of Terrell. Lewis. No, and like their 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 nose well, tackle. And their safeties can get got too. Is the other thing. Yeah, and uh, uh, their their nose tackle situation doesn't seem to be working as well as they thought it would. So and the guy um, playing next to Aaron Donald is not not doing enough. Like you really need that guy to be generating more than you know two one snack one sack or two sacks, right? So yeah, you want that's when you want your one two punch, and if you have a a haymaker and a slap 
or a haymaker and a fake out, it's not going to work. Now, remember the last year, uh, Russ Wilson kept running into Leonard Floyd. So <laughs> if he could not keep running face first into Leonard Floyd, that would also help. I'm just hoping that that's part of his reboot, Kevin, is that he's just fixed that <laughs> part of his program. That and they installed Bible Blaster 9, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, God. So, uh, yeah, special teams, that their punting game, Johnny Hecker's like a legendary punter, right? He's really good, but so far this year, he's going to averaging, you know, 38 yards a punt, not not super, not getting it super deep. He's only been inside the five on a five. He, they've had a lot of opportunities for their special teams to hurt him, and I do think that that's a – that's something where the Seahawks could step in here, maybe force some field goals, force the special teams to really, you know, force Matt Gay to be an important part of this game, which I do not think the Rams want. They do not want Matt Gay to matter at all. Same with Johnny Hecker. I think we could, if we could force some third phase stuff that we can kind of exploit a, a weakness here. Now we talk about how good the Rams offensive DVOA is. They're 29.4 second place. Ours is 24 and we're in fourth. We are not far behind the Rams on on offense and our defensive DVOA, although much worse has uh, has been improving week to week. So I do think this is a tight game. It's really close. It's, it's, it's a tough one. Um, the way I want the Seahawks to attack this though, is like, it's like Kevin said, like we need to, we need to beat the middle of the field. Their safeties and their linebackers are not good. They're, they're not, they don't scare me at all, especially in coverage. You know, uh, Troy Troy Reader can get after the, the the run game, and he can he can pack. Uh, but I don't know. I do not think he's special in coverage, and so I want to see us go after these guys. Go really go after the the linebackers and the which means work in the middle of the field. Yep, which is hard for this team to do. That we're they're very resistant to to going to to, to throwing over the middle of the field. Anyway, uh, the. Yeah, so I want to I want to really see us just pound that middle. Uh, hopefully Everett's back. You know, I, I don't know is he trending towards back? Do you guys have an update on that? Well, if I remember correctly, he was being held out for COVID reasons, but he uh, isn't like super he's, sick. I think he's done one negative to COVID test already. I think so. There's a pretty good chance that he'll be back. I would so imagine he needs to, he needs to test Carol negative said he was twice that he can come back. He needs to test test negative twice in a row because, like we've like many times have been said, the Seahawks have all but one vaccinated, and it's. Obviously not Gerald Everett because uh, they were they were testing him last week. So, yeah, I think it's one of those things where um, if he's not back, it's because Thursday screwed us. Yeah, for sure, definitely would have him back if this game was on Sunday. Uh, that this thir- short turnaround sucks, but the ten days off I think will be very, very nice for this team to get to get healthy. So the question is, do we go into the ten day break two and three or three and two? So Eric, start us off. What do you think? Do we get the Seahawks get the dub here? Uh, I. <sighs> Yeah, (laughs) real masterful transitions tonight, Nathan. Uh, The Rams are the the clear favorite in the NFC West, and uh, someone said, "Oh, whoa, 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 whoa!" The Cardinals are four and zero. Eric, calm down. They just beat the Rams. Calm down. Yeah, they're gonna fall off a cliff. They're gonna fall off a cliff. Kingsbury here pretty soon. Oh man, you guys are so so hard on the Cardinals, man, for for good reason. It's. I haven't liked the Cardinals since they were St. Louis Cardinals, and I was four. <laughs> he sold his soul for a house and good looks, not for wins. Uh, no, I mean this is the team that be a Champa base, so they've looked really good on offense with uh, Maddie Matt Stafford. Uh, really, that's that's like the missing piece that they needed if their defense wasn't so bad. I expect a shootout. I expect a Seahawks loss here. It's tough because they're playing in their putrid lime green uniforms, which they're 4-0 in. 
but I just think it's going to be too much. I think the Rams are going to jump ahead. It's going to be some catch up and then it's going to be grinding the clock because that's the formula for beating the Seahawks. I have the Rams winning 34 to 27. All right, Kevin, what do you think? Um, Very similar thoughts. So we have action green involved. We have a lot of different chakras being uh, pulled together for this particular game. But at the end of the day, it comes down to what you can do on the field. And on the field, I feel like our defense just can't quite do enough to stop the Rams. Um, Their offense is really good. Maybe later on the season when their offensive line gets some injuries or when we get the defensive backs necessary to be able to shut things down a little more we can pull this one out but i think they're going to score just a bit too much for us to handle i have 38 and i hate this because it's a really bad loss i have 38 27 a rare over 10 point loss in the russell wilson era right well um i don't think the rams defense is good enough to slow us down uh i do think that we'll be able to score a lot now, that being said, our our offense is prone to just having like a random three and outs where it's like uh, the, the drive goes like this. Uh, run play. Russ tries to throw it 50 yards down the field. Russ gets sacked punt. Like those are yeah. that, those are those are very common Seahawks drives charts now. And so, yeah, we're going to have a couple duds like that. So we the defense does need to get a stop. But I did like what I saw of this defense. I thought they played aggressive football. They got a pick last game. Um, I want to see more turnovers. I do think it's possible to get turnovers against this Los Angeles team. I want to see a physical, this defense get real physical. Cause I do think this Rams team physical, has not been physical has no. not been t- tested like that. I do think that that teams are letting them play a little bit. And I, I don't, I don't think the Seahawks are that, that team. I think Maul's going to get them fired up, get, get them all, get them all feisty. And I like the Seahawks to win. I think we're going to win 31, 28. So I like it. I like it, Nathan. All right. Uh, I don't because I thought we were putting the reverse jinx on, and apparently well, we are not. you didn't. You were the fly in the ointment. You were the fly in the ointment last week, and we won. So I don't. I don't think it. I think it doesn't matter anymore. Maybe we have just, something new here. We have now. no. We have no powers anymore. Our, our powers are are broken. We and, wouldn't uh, know. I, that was just a legit win, the old fashioned yeah. way. <laughs> the old fashioned way. Uh, all right. There are many ways to support the Seahawks podcast. The best way to do so: head over to punthub.us. Click anywhere on your screen and we'll take it to our Patreon for as little as a dollar twenty four month. Get access to the Picks Podcast, which returned made a triumphant return this week. Uh, and and then also you come into the Discord, hang out, watch the game with us, all that jazz. Uh, thanks to the new Patreons, Brady, Daniel, Trevor, and Charles, and our longtime Patreons, Andy, Bretta, Brett. I always do this, but I always say Bretta because it's Brett and then Greta. Like the filter. James. James, <laughs> Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Bob, Casey, Charles, Daniel, David, Flock, Miss Foles, Jay, Karen, Leon, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, and Nick. Thanks for supporting the show. Appreciate y'all. Uh, all right, movie club this week. Uh, so we they there are some ideas thrown around for movie club, and while we were doing the show prep, I was like, I thought of something. I think it will work really good. I think you guys will like it, so don't worry about it. And uh, you guys ready? You guys ready to see what it is? Oh yeah! All right, it's the long-awaited John Car- in honor of on honor of Halloween month, the John Carpenter Eliminator. That's right. Wow! The thing that the thing that you all wanted. Oh my! Yeah, I was gonna say the oh, oh load. This is gonna be John con- Carpenter's John Carpenter this Eliminator. Is, this is going to get contentious, I bet, at some point. <laughs> uh, so here we go. <clears throat> the Thanks, Eric. N- 
the 19 films directed by John Carpenter. We're not doing ri- written by. We're only doing directed. I'm not right? doing his 78 acting appearances. Nope. Captain Voyeur, Dark Star, Assault on Precinct 13, Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, Christine, Starman, Big Trouble in Little China, Prince of Darkness, They Live, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, In the Mouth of Madness, Village of the Damned, Escape from L.A., Vampires, Ghosts of Mars, and The Ward. So now I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to copy this link and paste it in the chat for you guys so that you have it. There you go. You you, look at it. Kevin, have you seen all these movies? Uh, I, I have seen, I believe, all of them, yes. I've seen wow. 14 out of 19. So I, I, I felt pretty good about that. I was like, yeah, all right, I'm, I'm pretty close. Um, so here we go. Um, let's get into it. First elimination is going to Kevin. Kevin, what are we killing first? All right. Um, if I'm going to be eliminating one of these movies, um, oh, I think there's some kind of easier ones than others. I'm going to eliminate Village of the Damned. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you- just not a particularly enjoyable, um, Children of the Cornish movie. It's fun. And the first half of that movie is actually like pretty solid. And then but the it last falls half, apart. Then so the last bad. half is just like trash. And you're, by the end also of the movie, Christopher Reeve and Kirstie Alley in it. That's a thing. Yeah. I, I, I was like, Mark the, first, in there, like <laughs> the first half of the movie is like a four star movie, like or three and a half. Like it's building towards something I really enjoyed. And the, the second half is like a one and a half. So you have to just kind of decide how you feel about that. Um, I think I would end up giving it like a two. It's it's okay. It's not like the worst movie I've ever seen, but I would prefer not to watch it. All right, Eric, what are you eliminating uh, second for us? Memoirs of an Invisible Man. All right. That one's Because good. Chevy Chase is a jerk. Yeah, Chevy Chase in this movie. It it was like a a non-comedic acting turn, but he's still got a stupid face. So Chevy, sorry. Chevy Chase was like the wrong choice for this movie. I don't know what they were thinking. I, like, I think he wanted it's kind of a it's like Michael Keaton's Batman. It's a very inspired choice. Just did not did not connect with any on any level because there's certain things in that movie that you're like, man, this could have this could have been a, a pretty good Invisible Man movie. Uh, I'm going to eliminate John Carpenter's final film, The Ward, because it sucks. It is the worst movie on this list. I've I not, not seen that movie. I and I, I and I know there's one movie on this list that is most people consider to be very bad, and I will get to that movie. This movie is worse than that movie. It isn't. It's not even enjoyably bad. It's just regular bad. Uh, like I didn't. I don't like it. Don't see it. Just don't. Just skip the ward if you're going through the movies of John Carpenter. All right, Kevin. What's next? All right, I'm going to go ahead and eliminate Captain Voyeur because it's an eight-minute short made in 1969. I haven't seen it, but I feel comfortable in saying it shouldn't make the final five. No, it's not even a movie. I just put it on there because I just wanted to have everything that he directed on here. Um, all right, Eric, what do you uh, think? I, I have one that I have seen. Uh, I saw it, oh, geez, long ago, uh, late night on, like, HBO. Dark Star. Oh yeah, Dark Star. <laughs> that movie, Hell I don't yeah. know. <laughs> when you are 13 years old and that movie's on and you're trying to like read comic books or do whatever you're doing and that's on in the background and it you just start watching it, maybe it's not all that bad. It's very silly. Like it's, it's uh, I think it's, it's a satire. Effect. It's a satire, yeah. but it's also the effects were you know, the effects were what they were. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's silly, it's fun. Um but yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, yeah, it shouldn't win this. All right, I'm gonna get rid of Escape from LA. 
because it is uh, not as good as Escape from New York, and just kind of it's just it's corny, it's very cheesy, it's fun. Like it's in, this is so this is the opposite of the last movie I eliminated. This movie is enjoyably bad, but it is still bad. If you are the kind of person who reviews movies only with your heart, and your heart loves Kurt Russell. Then watch this movie. You will have a, you will have an effing blast. This movie is it's a, a great drunk movie. It's a party, but it is not good. It is it is classic two and a half stars, and you're, you're, you gotta gotta you can kind of go either way with this one. So yeah, I'm gonna get rid of Escape from LA. All right, uh, Kevin, you're up again. All right, so this is where it's <clears throat> about to start getting tough. I think there are three movies on here that are all right and kind of fun in their own way and then we start getting to like legitimately like very good movies there's still one really bad movie on i'm gonna eliminate uh a movie that is a sentimental favorite but it completely sucks and that is john carpenter's ghosts of mars oh what a great what a great name for a movie though right eric john carpenter's ghosts of mars yeah it was such a great title and when i saw it so long ago over at your house um I was like, what is this movie? This Ice is Cube's awful. character's name is Desolation Williams. Dude, this, I mean, this, the set this, design in this movie is actually like the Titans a couple years. Super good. Like yes. this, this movie has like good costumes, like really cool sets. And it like, but the, it's just so stupid. It's like, if it, it's like, he thought like, oh, what if I made like, uh, like a assault on precinct thirteen style thriller kind of thing in space, but also bad. But all, yeah, kind <clears> of <throat> aliens. Um, but I don't. That's. I don't, but it's got Statham, and, Statham and Ice Cube in the same movie. So that I mean, how can you? You can't go wrong. So it can't with be that. all bad. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. You can't go wrong with that. All right. Uh, who's up? Is uh, Eric now? It's me. I don't want this movie at the end. I'm sure some people like it. I never could connect. Goodbye, Starman. All right. His uh, his kind of um, is drama. Yes. Uh, it's, and it's not a bad movie. I've as an adult, I've tried to watch it. I just can't do it. So I'm really glad like Kevin didn't get mad when I did that. Uh, I'm a, I'm not going to jump under the bus for super, uh, for Starman. Super good Jeff Bridges performance. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. Starman is like an awesome Jeff Bridges performance. Uh, oh, it's my turn to eliminate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Um, vampires. Yep, that's the clear one. Can't be. That movie's very fun. Wait, vampires? Do you mean John Carpenter's vampires? Thank you. Yeah, sorry, John Carpenter's vampires. (laughs) Not to be confused with other vampires you might know. Can't be fun. Uh, Got James Woods doing James Woods things. But every other movie left on this list, and I'll read it in a second, is legitimately good. And this one is not. So, okay, these are the movies that are left. Assault and Precinct 13, Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, Christine, Big Trouble in Little China, Prince of Darkness, They Live, and In the Mouth of Madness. Uh, all right, Kevin. Yeah, I would you, say you Starman. I thought Vampires was going to eliminate last, and that was when I said, you know, there's kind of uh, the the list that gets really legit after that. I just I have so much fun with that movie. It's not good in, in many <laughs> it's ways. Not, it's not good, but, it, but I didn't want to eliminate Ghosts of Mars for the same reason. Like, I enjoy watching that movie, even yep. though it kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I was like, someone else can eliminate Ghosts of Mars for me. Okay. So uh, this is really hard because, like, if I eliminate Ooh. Prince of Darkness, Prince of Darkness has Donald Pleasant in, like, the, the main role, and Donald Pleasant's amazing. So I really don't want to eliminate that right now. But then... Like, what am I going to eliminate instead? I could eliminate, uh, what, In the Mouth of Madness, but that's like Sam Neill's big role. 
So I think I'm going to be eliminating Christine. Because you mean John John Carpenter's Christine? Uh, no, it's Stephen King's Christine. Stephen book. King's Christine, directed by John Carpenter. <laughs> I mean, there is a version of this movie that came out in 2017 called John Carpenter's Christine. I just want you to know that. That's a, that's a fact. Um, so um, it just because it's campy, it's enjoyable. But at the end of the day, I just don't think that it hits the as good of a high note as the high notes in all the rest of these movies. I uh, Kevin, the high notes at the very end. Kevin, uh, here's the thing, though. It's like, how can you not like a movie where about a guy who's so horny about for a car? <laughs> I feel like this movie was that's, made for that's, you. That wasn't a, I have Nate, limits. Kevin, that wasn't a that wasn't a joke about being the end of the movie. It's over. That means it was like, oh wow, it was true love with the car. I don't think anyone loved anything as much as the old man loved talking about vaginas. Oh wow. Man, I gotta rewatch rewatch this movie. You're not, you're not wrong about that. You're not <laughs> wrong about that one. I can agree with that. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Every movie that's left I like so much. This is gonna yes. be brutal. Uh, yeah, okay. It's, it's absolutely okay. a nightmare from okay. here. <laughs> Eric, go ahead. Okay, Good so luck. I've I've had time to think about this. I'm gonna take Prince of Darkness out. Okay. Um, I like the movie very much. It was either this or another one that's, you know, when that, that movie comes up, we'll talk about it. But Prince of Darkness, I don't know. It's just um, time to go. Time to go. I, a good movie, though. Uh, I, there's a really good review. So I read reviews for all these movies but during uh, while in between stuff we were doing before. So I, like, have a bunch of thoughts in my head. But the best one, one of the best reviews I saw was for this movie. It said, in my opinion, they shouldn't have opened that big, scary scale cylinder. <laughs> <laughs> which is so so funny 20 minute movie right there Um, hey guys just leave it just just leave that alone Uh, all right you guys ready i'm gonna i'm gonna take out a movie that i think everyone here is gonna be mad at me about but i think it's that these i think that's almost all of these movies at this point these are all uh, good movies if i had to decide which of these movies i i um i think is the so at this point they're all good right so I'm, i'm gonna i'm less voting with my heart and more voting with my uh head here but i'm gonna get rid of escape from new york because i think it's like a thing that i would be mad if it if it won it, compared to these other movies but i will say ernest borgnine that's it <laughs> that's all that's all i'm gonna say ernest borgnine i i enjoy that movie but i don't enjoy the franchise so uh i'm fine with Dude, that this movie has harry dean stanton ernest borgnine it's like a it's like a um oh, it's character, character, character actor and don yeah. pleasant yeah Donald uh, pleasant playing the president <laughs> So many Um, good character actors, man. Yeah, I mean, I can't really fault it. Again, these are all really good movies. I don't think there's um, a not really good movie in the bunch. I'm going to mean In the Mouth of Madness. Good call, Kevin. Like that movie a lot, but uh, it's not the one I want to see. Before Sam Neill scared the hell out of you in Event Horizon, he did it in In the Mouth of Madness. Fact. I mean, mean, like this, the thing that that about um, Sam Neill in this movie is the way he shifts gears. Oh man, um, it's so it's good. So it's really, really good. I, I, I'm not like a huge like Sam Neill has like four or five roles where I like really dig him, and this is one of them. Where like, man, it's it's like hard to do what he was doing in this movie, and he just crushed it. So yep. yeah, yeah, huge, hugely. Uh, and I mean, John Carpenter is an awesome director. He got the got that performance out of him, right? So like, big props on that. All right, so that was Kevin right there, right? So we're on Eric. Yeah. So we have six movies left. Yeah. Oh, this is this is it gets yes. so hard yes. here. I have, yes, these we are do. all bangers. Okay. Yes, we do. I'm going to take away one like I have like three 
I don't know, four, five, six at the top. <laughs> it's really hard. I'm going to eliminate. I like six of these movies. There's six left. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to eliminate John Carpenter's The Frog. The Fog. Okay. I, that was one, my next one, choice too. So you really there is screwed no me over on that one, Eric. Yeah. So the the Fog's really good, but it's. Oh, it is. I mean, there's. Yeah. I, it's not to be confused with The Mist and certainly don't watch the remake. But The, the remake Fog sucks. It's just a. It's a, it's a lesson in just tension and something's coming and you don't see it for a very long time. The move, the entire also movie it's a is throwback dark. ghost movie. Yes. How many like ghost movies do you and get? And there's like 10 minutes of movie in the daytime. So it's just dark the entire time. Watch it at night. Do it this Halloween. I, I, um, I do think that this was the weakest movie of the six that were left. So I completely agree with your decision to, mm-hmm. to eliminate it right there. Um, but yeah, if they if they like <clears throat> this movie is just weirdly uh, this movie could be better. Like it it um I wanted more ghost pirates and less everything, <laughs> less everything else. Like just give me a little more ghost pirates and I think I would this movie would be bumped way up the I list. I do love the investigative <clears throat> aspect of it. I think it's really cool, but just, I just think that the other movies are all stronger. And it just starts a little a little slower. All right, um at this point I have to decide uh, between sentiment sentimentality and uh, vote and keeping the best movies, and I'm going to pick keeping the best movies. So, I'm sorry, but goodbye, oh, Big Trouble in Little China. I, I'm um, officially mad at you. I love that movie. What's your it favorite? Is very, movie so I can it is get very fun. <laughs> it is very fun. Um, I it's I really it's really good. like it. It's super stylish. It's very funny. It's it's <sighs> nonsensical. It has all the great lines. A lot of like, people don't get the fact that the main character is not the protagonist. No, he's not the hero of the movie, and that's kind of the joke. The joke yes. is that he's he's like not the hero, yes. and that is a really good joke. I like this movie, but I think that all the other movies that are left, I would rate higher than them than this movie, and just in terms of how good I think it is. And uh, yeah, that's that's it. That's um, yeah, it's good. It's awesome. It's a it's a four, but but it's just everything else is a four and a half or a five. So there you go. Uh, all right, Kevin. All right, this is really hard because there's two movies I'm looking at eliminating here, and there's two movies that I'm happy with either one winning. Though I think there is a clear a clear should be winner. Um. So. Oh, by the way, the four movies left are the Assault on Precinct 13, Halloween, The Thing, and They Live. For and I think they thing in, uh, The Thing and They Live um, should be in the final three. So it's Assault on Precinct 13 versus Halloween. And I think if I'm looking at it, Halloween gets dragged down by its sequels. Except for Halloween 3, which is absolute gold, and no one can tell me otherwise. Um, but looking at Halloween in isolation as a movie, it is uh, one of the all-time slasher movies. I love Assault on Precinct 13. I think it's really good. I think it's really clever. I think it's really well done. But I think Halloween's a little more groundbreaking. I'm eliminating Assault on Precinct 13. Boo. Hey. Great movie. John Carpenter said Assault on Precinct 13 was the most fun he's ever had making a movie. And I think that you can 100% tell. Yeah. It is such a good, fun, fun movie. So anyway, Eric, you're up. Halloween, The Thing, or They Live. I got to say just very quickly that we as a team with the exception of Nathan's blind hatred for such a classic great movie <laughs> blind we've hatred. all kind of we've kind of eliminated these in a perfect order and yes, now we've come close. to the three-way tie for first place so congratulations <laughs> Eric, Eric, I can't it's believe time to make a it. difficult decision here you go 
You okay. got you got to eliminate one of these. Sorry. Would you? So wait, I would just. I'm just curious. So which of these movies do you hate, Eric? Yeah, which movies do you hate? How <laughs> yeah. the thing or they live? Which which, 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 one, which one sucks? I don't hate any of them. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my breakdown here because I think it's. I I guess We're I'm splitting hairs, buddy. That's the that's the. I'm business. telling you right now the movie I want to win when I tell you this, because I think how can I eliminate any of these? And then I think what is the one movie I don't want to watch over and over? The the one movie of these that I probably watched the least, and that's Halloween. But how can I eliminate such a a vanguard movie, a movie that set the template, a movie iconic. That is a, iconic film it is a film it is well directed well shot it's scary it's spooky as kevin said it gets weighed down by the sequels but we're not judging that not to mention guys the score holy shit the score so with that i love the message i love everything it's saying and uh uh when i met roddy piper he grabbed the side of my face and made me feel like i was meeting my dad and then he died six months later i was really sad but i gotta eliminate they live here I, uh, I, I love that fair. movie. I yep. love that movie. I love all these movies, but it's just uh, there's parts of that movie that I'm just like, okay, a little slower. Keep going. Keep going. Best, speed it up. One of the great, one of the greatest choreographed fight scenes in any movie ever. It's a mm-hmm. very fun choreograph. I mean, if uh, if you've never seen that, they live. If but you have seen Family Guy, the chicken fight is just <laughs> a they live ripoff. And uh, there's a reason. There, South there, Park, the Timmy and Tim, Jimmy the fight, cri- is the cripple a- fight here. Yeah is a direct ripoff. Yeah. They, I mean, and there's a reason that these, these awesome, these shows are doing uh, homages to this awesome movie. Cause it's, it's an amazing fight scene. Uh, I, I agree with the decision to eliminate. They live. This makes it very easy for me. The winner is the thing. Um, and, and let that me, let me, uh, I would have picked the thing over the, they live too over any movie. They, the Same. thing is the, the best thing movie. is the one that needed to win because it's <sighs> one of the two greatest horror movies of all time with alien. Yep. yep. Um, actually, I'm not even sure if it's, p- pure horror like that it, it, it is like body horror but like i just okay, like i'll also put it as one of the two greatest sci-fi movies of all time yeah with it's, how, how it's, are we splitting uh, hairs here because i don't a sci-fi care. like thing like it's like <laughs> this movie's so cool though um one it has wilford brimley yes that's that's pretty <laughs> freaking cool and a dog and then, looks like wilford brimley and then you have keith david in the same movie like how do you do that and then okay but but more seriously the 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 way that they did the, the the thing in this movie, like the 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 the, the practical effects that they used, to, yes, and the and the way that it, it moves, um, it is perfect. This is if you want to see like how did they make movies before they had really good special effects and make it look good, watch the thing. <laughs> That's the movie. Um, also, Morricone, Morricone did the score, which is like so cool. Yes, uh, like Enzo Morricone having. Score. Ezio Morricone, do your do your score. It's like a that's like a key to my heart. Uh, yeah, it's that this movie makes you feel paranoid. It has great practical effects. It's it's pure, one hundred percent like visual masterpiece. It's it's basically a perfect movie. Uh, it's untouchable. Then they remade it for some reason in two thousand eleven. I watched do, that. It's okay. Here's the thing: if they made that it a actual. <clears throat> That movie's not actually as bad as I thought it was going to be. And it has good actors in it. And Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, Joel Edgerton. But it's just like so unnecessary that I'm just mad the whole time I'm watching yeah. it. I'm just like, why are we doing this? It's like, hard to enjoy, yeah. They rewrote it because thing. they wanted to make it a prequel to li- make people less angry. So it, it but the ending of the movie picks up where the, the good one uh, starts. And here's the thing, though, Eric, is that how do you make a movie in 2011 – with effects that are less scary than practical effects from 1982. Don't like, ever use because 
anything between the gore and the uh, suspense was a, a little slice of love, and that made it's, all the difference. Yeah, it's just it's just it's just unre- unreal how they they screwed that up. So it, it just don't mess with things like like right now. Okay, we got Netflix. Squid Game is the hottest thing on Netflix, right? Like it's like the, the hot. It's hotter than the sun. People are watching this show. It's the number one show in ninety countries, and there are some American production studio right now that's like, you guys, I know what we need to do. We need to remake Squid Game. It's like, no, you you don't actually. No, just you don't, air Squid no, Game. Just just leave. Just watch Squid Game. It already exists. You don't need to remake everything. The old boy remake. Like so many people make this mistake. Train to Busan remake. Just uh yeah, Gross. the thing is the thing is cinematic perfection. The I think the only movie I might have put over the thing was Assault Precinct Thirteen, only because I thought it would have been funny, not just to troll people, not not to. <laughs> it's not actually a justifiable choice. We made the right, we did the right thing here. All right, so that's it uh, for Eric for Kevin. We will see you guys next week and go Hawks.